0: Hey, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Today, the podcast travels to Connecticut, and this is pretty awesome. So uh, last year, before I started having people on the podcast, I used to hit people up to email and I would send them like 10 questions and they would answer them and send them back. And I was like super excited to post them on the blog and, you know, share with you guys um, a little insight on these people. And I was actually supposed to have our guest today, um, Ryan White, but um, I just never emailed him. I I got the contact info from the homie uh, Keith Freeman and I just never did it. So fast forward to, today, and I have him on the podcast. And I feel like this is a way better format for you guys to listen and get to know him because he's way more awesome than I ever thought he could be. Just talking to him and hearing the passion when he talks about um, his music is amazing and it's kind of inspiring. And I think I came out of this podcast being a bigger fan of his solo stuff than cast and blood because going in it was um the reverse so i'm really excited for you guys to be able to uh, sit down and listen to this episode and get to know ryan a little better because overall um i just think he's an awesome guy and i support everything that he does cast and blood his solo stuff and uh, murmur so without further ado please enjoy this episode and we're live how's it going ryan
1: not too bad jamie thanks for calling
0: yeah no i'm I, I really appreciate you um willing to come on the podcast i kind of dropped the ball last week and um just mixed up the schedules so thank you for willing to still come on
1: oh yeah of course man it's uh, it's my pleasure
0: So I didn't um, realize that you were so, um, active in music because I, um, first heard of, um, cast in blood and I, I know that you sing for them. And then I didn't realize that you also drummed or drum for zero hour. And then I didn't realize you also have like your, um, your own like solo project, And then you have another band, um, Murmur. Um, Have you always just been this involved with like music your entire life?
1: I think, yeah, I guess since I started playing in bands in like high school, there's always been two or three kind of like rotating projects because I I guess I started playing guitar and drums right around the same time in like fifth grade when I was 10 or 11. So I always wanted to play drums and sing. So that made like two bands right off the bat. And then, kind of whoever is in my group of friends like if they wanted to start a band it would just I'd always end up being in like a rotating kind of like a rotating door situation of four or five bands but um it's kind of become my style and I love that like it definitely can spread you a little bit too thin but I enjoy working with other people with music and like the solo album I did this year is the first thing I've ever done completely on my own so it's uh i've definitely if you ask anybody they'll be like ryan's in too many bands be the first thing they'll tell you but i i i love it
0: it um reminds me of my buddy uh keith freeman i i think you're familiar with him um yep
1: from restraining order
0: yeah yeah so he's like um always like in a bunch of bands so um whenever I, i meet anybody who's in like a ton of projects like he's like always like the first person that comes to mind
1: Dude, I love Keith. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, he makes time for it and he remembers all the songs when he's on stage. So yeah, I've seen him in probably like ten different bands in the past few years, which is awesome. I back that. Yeah. yeah. I mean it. a lot a lot can be said for focusing. Sometimes I feel like, man, if if I just focused on Cast and Blood and just really put all my efforts right into that, you know, things could really happen or things could happen quicker. But I, I like to let things kinda of take their course and um it's weird doing a solo thing now, but it's kind of exciting too because it's you can, as fast as you can write the songs and record them, you can get out there and go on tour and you don't have to like bog other people's schedules down or, you know, it's just there's a lot of freedom in that.
0: Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, Cast in Blood. Can you talk about how the band um, started?
1: Yeah. Uh, Cast in Blood, it was uh, members of Enraged Youth, Ricky and Justin. They were kind of writing, and then my friend Dan, uh, who lives down in Florida right now, they were writing some songs, and it was kind of like, uh, they were saying it was a little bit like Bleeding Through, but they wanted it to sound like Life of Agony, and a little bit like At the Gates. So they, they told me they wanted me to sing on it, and I hadn't really sung for a hardcore band in years since I was like in high school. And uh, I was like, are you sure? Do you want me to sing? Because I had done guest spots for my old band, uh, Jagged Visions, I' like sang on the records, just little guest spots here and there, but they're really adamant about me trying it, so I went and did a demo, and we did the four song demo, which was like the first DP we put out. and uh, we all really liked it, so we just kind of kept going from there. But it really wasn't ever supposed to be anything more than I think just like an internet band with a demo. But then uh, we ended up playing a couple shows. Our first show was at Shaker's in Long Island with like separated I think Blade to Rest played, We played super late at like one AM, and I felt like we were punishing people even by going on. But after that show, we we started booking some more shows and uh, kind of took off from there.
0: That's awesome. When I first uh, heard the band, I kind of got like you know, yeah, the bleeding through vibes, and also um, it kind of reminded me of um that band it dies today, and um, I was like, damn, definitely, yeah, because like the singing aspect i I thought was awesome like i feel like you're able to like blend it well with the music and it didn't sound like out of place
1: i appreciate that man it's tough i i'm always uh self-conscious about that like when it first came out i was like i don't know how people are gonna feel this (laughs) it's a little bit almost like pop singing but only living witness and life of agony and even even agents of man like those some of those influences are out there and and i've always been kind of like a a wimp about that. So I, I'm glad that it, that it stuck and that people responded to it the way they did. Cause I really didn't think anyone would even listen to it.
0: Yeah. I'm not even sure how I came across, um, cast and blood, but once I um, heard it, I was definitely hooked. So I, I think you guys are doing a great job.
1: Thanks man. I appreciate that. The, the stuff they write, I love the first song they sent me, I think was, um, Like Kill for Layla was one of the first songs they ever sent me and as soon as I finished the first song I was like, I just want to do this a whole record of this and now we're actually finishing a seven-inch to do a split with our friends in foreign hands So that should be out probably by the end of the summer. I'm hoping maybe midsummer
0: Okay, I was actually gonna ask you about that because I read um, That interview you did with no echo and you mentioned that that split was supposed to come out I think like it was supposed to be like during like the springtime
1: yeah, we were hoping for the spring, but um, we're both kind of like, like Tyler's doing stuff with, uh, I think Wrist Meets Razor right now. Or I might have said that best. uh Razor Meets Wrist. He's playing guitar for them right now and he sings in in hand. And so that band's really active and doing really well. And then uh, Cash and Blood has members of Dilate, which is doing really well right now, and then Vomit Fourth, which is going to do a tour at the end of July. So we're kind of like, we're all like super busy and it, it did get slowed down a little bit, but we we finally are finishing it Like I just finished the vocals for it last week
0: that, That's awesome, and it, it's a was it a four song split
1: We ended up yeah, we ended up doing uh, I think we have three songs to go on our side we were going to do two for three or four and uh, Foreign hands has a couple that they've been working on and yes, yeah, so I think it'll end up being three and three
0: Okay and do you know um, who's going to put that out?
1: We were, uh, I guess, I, I don't know if I should really say anything, but, um, we did have a friend that, at a label that a, a bunch of our friends are on. We were talking to, and, uh, I don't want to speak for them, but they said once the music is done, they seem pretty excited about it. So I'm just gonna, I don't like to jinx things like that or like, you know, put all, uh, my irons in one in the fire for sure. one label, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it looks pretty good, so either way, we'll we'll put it out regardless. But it seems like it'll be a good deal to go with these people that uh, I think we're going to go with.
0: And once that split comes out, uh, do you think uh, Cast and Blood will play more shows, or are you guys just kind of waiting to all the other bands kind of settle down?
1: We we have been on like a, a small break since um like the winter time. We're going to do a few shows with Castaway and Dying Wish. They're coming out here in July, so uh, Nick from Castaway, really, really good kid. Um, he was he wanted to take us out for like most of the run, but everybody in Cast of Blood has like serious jobs, and we're, we're kind of limited to the touring we can do, unfortunately, so uh, we're going to do a few days with them. But besides that, um, we probably won't do much until the fall because, yeah, everybody's so busy with touring. I have some shows coming up with Murmur this summer, and that's kind of like a different type of thing it's real acoustic and the dynamic is super quiet so it's like it takes a lot of preparation um but my hope is that cast and blood will be back out in the fall going out with some of our friends and uh i'd like to do a couple weeks and and get some time in on a real tour i love that band like i always i, I don't like that band to get burnered. sometimes it does just because the way life is and we're so busy but um i'd love to see that band do a lot more
0: same here. I, I'd love for you guys to come out West. I think like a lot of kids out here would be into your guys' music
1: I've been talking to a bunch of people about that Which thought like if we did something like from Vancouver and then like went all the way down to San Diego Maybe into Mexico and just made that the focus of the tour for like two weeks. Like, I think that would be still fun.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. There's, like, a... um, Obviously, through, like, Southern California, there's, like, a a really strong scenes for you guys to come through.
1: My old band played out there at, like, Che Cafe years ago, and I think Restraining Order just went through and played... Or I know Death Threat did. They went through with Hangman. And uh, there's just so many awesome bands that we could link up with, like... um, Hand of God or Safe and Sound, like, any of those bands out there, all, like, really... Really good kids that we played shows with, Vamakara, too. So I think I'm going to try and put that in the works for September because uh, we've been talking about it for a while. And rather than we've done a couple little East Coast things, but nothing really very long at all, just kind of like scattered shows here and there. But it'd be cool to do an actual tour on California, go up the West Coast and spend like two weeks on it. The kids out there seem to love Cast and Blood, which is awesome. We're we're psyched on that. I don't know how it got past or People always hit, hit us up saying, "Come to California." So should get out there sooner than later.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like it's um, like these days, all it takes is just like you know one person to kind of just tell a friend, and then it just like will spread like wildfire because it's, it's so easy to access music these these days.
1: Yeah, I guess I think some of our friends put up our first EP on like a message board or something, and that's how a lot of people heard the first recording, which is a home recording which I love. I'm, I love lo-fi recordings. I'm glad that was like our first, uh, our first presentation was like a lo-fi home recording. I, I love that album. But yeah, California is sick. I, I haven't played there in years and it was with different types of uh, musical projects. So either with zero hour or cast and blood, I'd love to get out there.
0: Yeah. Cause, um, zero hour, you guys were on the, for the children, right?
1: Yeah, we were on For the Children. We we unfortunately couldn't make it out. Uh, that's another band that's kind of like, everybody's got a lot going on, so a lot of potential. And I love, God, I love playing drums in that band. Like our, our last record we just put out, I um, it's one of my favorite things I've ever worked on. Um, but yeah, everyone in that band too is, you know, super busy and uh, just starting out with careers. And we all support that family first and, you know, whatever. Everybody's got to take care of... Uh, their life stuff before just hopping in a van and going out to play a bunch of shows for a few weeks. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see zero hour get out a lot more too.
0: Yeah. It's something hard to, um, like once you kind of hit that point in life where, um, you have like a lot of responsibilities just to be able to get time off. Like sometimes that can just be like the most challenging thing.
1: That Yeah. That's the main thing. I, you know, people, they have vacation time or something and then, I don't ever feel like being uh, assuming or being presumptuous and just being like, well, if you take your time off to come on tour with me, <laughs> it's like I totally, I totally want people to have uh you know, you got to live your life and do what you want. And touring is, is so fun. And, but uh, I'm a little bit older now, so it's like, it really has to be selective, I, I guess. And uh, I just can't expect people to just go out on the road for, you know, like a month at a time, but it is like the most fun, you know it's a lot of repetition but it's it's really fun i think that's how a band gets super tight and then when you come home from tour you write a record and somehow it's influenced even even if not sonically or like structurally you're influenced by the bands that you were out touring with because you become like family on the road you're protecting each other and i really like that aspect of it so hope zero hour and cast and blood do a full world tour <laughs> together
0: would that be a possibility? Like your two bands? <laughs> no, no,
1: I'm just talking shit. No, it, it would, it would be super fun, but um, no, no, I'm just saying that kind of ironically. But uh, def- definitely different types of bands. Zero Hour is like we we really just wanted to write a simple, uh, fun type of hardcore. Like our motto is positive, aggressive, mental attitude, and uh, we just. I think Rob and I wrote the first four songs together one afternoon and. That's another band that started off just you know as fun. we just wanted to write some different songs. typically, in my life, that's how some of my favorite bands start off. We're just just writing music just for the sake of writing music, and then we decide, well, I guess we'll play a show with this stuff
0: so on Bandcamp, uh most of the zero hour stuff is on the um c t hate records bandcamp um is there a reason yeah. for that?
1: Yeah, our bass player. <clears throat> is uh Rod Zariak. He runs C T Hate with my friend Kyle Malmack and uh Dan Longo sorry, Dan Longo from uh who sings in Dilate right now, they were all members of Laid to Rest. They started that label a few years ago. Um and Justin, who is the original guitar player cast in Cast and Blood, he was also in Laid to Rest. So uh Rob offered to put out our first C D he pressed it for us and um took the risk on that and then he put out our full length too. So Everything we do, we pretty much just go right to Rob and, and channel it through there, um, at least for now. I mean, we only have one full length out, so I guess we don't even really have that much material out there. But, yeah, that's they're like family to us, so they handle a lot of our stuff. And uh, merchandise, too. Rob runs his own screen printing business, Brass City uh, Brass City Printing, right out of Waterbury. He does everybody's bands, typecast, sanction, I've done Jesus' piece. Like, anybody who's pretty much coming through here on tour will, get shirts through them so it's kind of like a cool little community that we have here in Connecticut between the booking and kind of the people who when bands when friends bands are coming through who who's cool book the shows and make sure that they happen and go off without a hitch. But yeah, CT Hate's been uh active here for a few years and it's cool. It's a, uh, it's definitely a good thing for Connecticut.
0: So uh, do you guys have plans to um release another record with Zero Hour?
1: I I'm I couldn't really say for Zero Hour right now. I know that we do have some new songs. Um, we just put this record out, and I think we dropped it in January, and we played like the Fest pre-show, which was awesome, with Criminal Instinct. Um, it, it was a great night. Barry Dreams played. I was drumming in Barry Dreams for a little bit, off and on, like whenever I'm needed. Um, so I'm not sure how soon something's going to come out for Zero Hour. I really couldn't say on that, but uh, you never know. I, I hope I'd like to write another EP with Zero Hour. I at least go out and do a, a couple weeks. So many of our friends are just killing it right now. So it'd be fun to go out with some friends and just play shows for a few weeks.
0: Yeah, I feel like that'd be um awesome for you guys to get out on the road and be able to play like songs from that record and even some new songs.
1: Yeah, that's that's what we need too. The Zero Hour. I think people would respond really well to it. Like we really haven't ever gotten out of the Northeast. We played Ohio once. Um, I think that's the farthest west we ever went. We played in, uh, I think it was Toledo. Yeah, I think it was Toledo. Or maybe, no, we played in Columbus, but we were staying in Toledo. We got a lot of friends out there. But um, yeah, I'd love for Zero Hour to get out to California. Same thing, like tons of friends out there. Um, I'd love to go play. the uh, Like the, the skate shop, I think it's called Program Skate Shop. Uh, I have a friend who... Friend owns that place, and like every every band that we love from California and talk to on a regular basis is always putting in really, really good hard work. So that's another band I'd like to see get out to the West Coast. I've been working so hard on Murmur this year, and uh, all the other guys have got stuff going on, but this is around the time where we reconvene and make some plans for the fall.
0: Okay. And speaking of, um, murmur, um, how do you balance working on that versus, uh, um, your solo stuff?
1: Murmurs. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I ended up using for the murmur album, which is murmurs just me and uh, T Morrissey from hundred demons. It's, it's just two of us. So it's kind of like really acoustic based. So a lot of those songs, I guess, potentially would end up being solo songs, but they really go through a different set of parameters when we write it for a murmur because it's a it's, uh, real different stylistically. We're going for like a different approach. So I'll kind of come with blueprints of a song really, really stripped down and then I'll sit there and Pete and I will rework the whole thing to kind of like fit looking through the murmur lens. Cause my solo stuff is real, just reactionary. Just, you know, writing like singer songwriter songs, that's just stuff that I need to get out of my system. Um, like all music, but that stuff's just a little bit more personal, probably a little bit more <laughs> annoying and obnoxious, but uh, that's what I love about music. Murmur is like a more methodical, like slower process, so basically whichever album, whichever band I have to be writing a record for, I'm like, okay, well these songs are gonna go into the Murmur album, and uh, like right now I'm writing a new solo record to follow up my full length, And but we're also writing a Murmur EP, so I kind of just take the stuff I have to teach and we just decide as we go. We select the songs and then we try to write a few extra songs so we can trim the fat. So we're giving people the best of the group of songs that we have. So like okay. our next record may, may sound a lot different than the last record. So it's cool cause it's, I like, that's why I like working with people cause everything would probably just sound like my solo shit if I didn't work with other people. So it's like Murmur forces me to, I have to become a better singer because Pete's a much better singer than I am. He's like classically trained. So I've really had to like step my game up for that band, which is, which is a good thing.
0: Um, do you have plans to hit the road with Mur- uh, Murmur?
1: Yeah, we, we're doing, um, we're doing a couple shows. We're playing our first show actually on June 12th with Drone Flower in Connecticut. And, uh, after that we're playing in New York, I think, on July eleventh. Um there's a guy, Steven Kasner. He's one of like he's one of my favorite artists. He did a couple of uh, integrity albums. I think he did seasons in the size of days and um he's done a lot of really cool work. He has an art exhibit there on July eleventh that I think we're playing. But other than that, we haven't booked anything yet. Um we're kinda of holding off, but I definitely we're looking at a couple of things to get out there on the road. Um so, yeah, I, I can't say anything, but we're definitely going to get out there and play a lot of shows. It's a real acoustic, toned-down, creepy type of vibe, so it's, it's cool to do something where and I'll be, like, sitting down playing. It's it's really atmospheric and, and dark. And so I think it would translate well to, like, a tour show, hopefully.
0: Are you guys both playing the acoustic, or is it just you?
1: For now, it's... The way it's set up is Pete and I will be up on stage and just I'll be the only one playing guitar and we both obviously sing. But Pete does play guitar and uh, we I think eventually we'll, like for our record release show, we want to pretty much recreate the album exactly how it sounds. So the same people that we hired for Strings to play on the album, we're probably going to have them come and perform the record from track one to the end um, and try to really recreate that. So we'll have like a four four-piece string section, piano players, some backup singers. And so it, we're, it's kind of a fun time right now because we're deciding if that's going to be the full-time approach or if every tour is going to be a little bit different. There's a, there's a lot of freedom in it because Pete and I could go out and tour just as a two-piece and I could bring my guitar and we could kill it. Or we could do the big, crazy, wild, head type thing where we have, you know, an orchestra backing us. So It's exciting. I'm not I'm not really sure which way it's gonna go right now, but I'm excited that we keep moving forward People have really been uh, responding well to the record, which is awesome It's always a good thing.
0: Yeah, have you have you ever performed with like a big um, like, you know uh, piece like that with like uh, like a string section and piano player
1: I Guess the closest thing I've ever done to that was like when I was a kid doing concert band but no nothing on that level or it's or that I would take you know as seriously, and put as much of my heart into as I do with Murmur or any of my other projects. So it would be a new thing for me, but um, I love that. Like I, I'm I'm up to the challenge of it because I like working with a metronome. I like working with and without the metronome. But the idea of having everyone tuned into my ears and being able to hear all of us together on stage that that's really appealing to me. So I hope that does flesh out eventually. A, I think that's the route we're going to take. We'll probably do strip down tours and then do a tour where it's kind of a little bit bigger of a production.
0: And the album that you put out um, from Murmur, Mur- Mur, um, is that self-release or are you guys on a label?
1: So Pete uh, kind of, sorry, I keep hitting my buttons here with my gigantic ears. It's all right. There we go. Uh, he set up a label called Hanging Hills Records, and it's it's kind of like it's his own thing. Um, but he's got friends. He's friends with Jacob over at Deathwish, and he's been really awesome um, running our store. Like when our record first came up, he helped us with all the pre-sale and doing all the merch. Um, Jake Bannon did the artwork for our record, which is some of the most amazing artwork I've ever seen. I can't even believe it's on a piece of music that, that I had a part in writing <laughs> so That's you know, an honor. And he, he's been real cool with getting our stuff out there. So death Wish has helped us out a lot. But, um, yeah, basically like our own label kind of self-release. Wow. Yeah.
0: You know, looking at that artwork, it definitely seemed familiar to me. And now that you say who did it, it all makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been looking at his stuff since I was a kid that like the early converge records, um, And anything he ever had a hand in, and obviously like the the iconic Jane Doe cover, it's he's got such a distinct style that um, as it was coming together and he was sending Pete the rough kind of like in progress shots of the work he was doing, I was just my jaw was just on the floor, I I couldn't believe it. So it it's exactly the the vibe that we wanted for the music. The, The way that album cover looks is how I feel when I'm writing, performing, or even just listening back to the stuff that Pete and I write. So truly like a a special thing to me. And um, I can't believe like how awesome Deathwish has been just about helping us get our name out there and helping with promotion because we're basically, it's just, you know, me and Pete running the whole show. We we have a good team. We have our friend Jay Reason helps us out a lot. He's basically like our manager right now. Um, And I got a shout out to him. He's a really good dude. And he's made a lot of things possible where Pete and I aren't aren't really good with technical stuff. Or, you know, we just like writing music and performing it, and we need friends to help us with the business aspect. Uh, <laughs> My whole life, I've I always need someone around to help me with that. My head's too up in the clouds, focused on writing. Sometimes I forget to, to you know, cross the Ps and dot the Is.
0: I think it's cool that that you're able to have some friends help you out, um, especially with the stuff that you're not um, well-versed in. Um, It's great to have a team behind you, you you know, helping making sure everything goes smoothly.
1: It seems like it's necessary these days. Yeah. you got to have a good team. Even like the the way that I met you to do this podcast through uh, Steve Huey, just a person that I met um, through playing shows and just a, like a really, really, really good kid. I love Steve, and uh, I love how connections happen like that. Um, and I was, you know, looking through at the people who've been on this podcast. I'm like, oh, there's there's one of my friends, there's one of my friends, and it's just, it, it's a cool community, and there's a lot of stuff like booking, my, my solo stuff. I would never, <laughs> I would never be able to get out of state if it wasn't for James from State of Mind Touring. You know, he'll, he'll push me to do that and be like, no, you need to go, go play these shows, get out there and do your solo thing. And that's kind of like all I need to hear from like a good friend or a trusted source. And then it really does fall together when you've got a good team working for you. Cause you know, one person can't do it all. I mean, some people can, and I'm envious of that, but for me, I, I can pretty much just write music and perform it. Uh, I definitely need people watching my back for <laughs> business and booking. It's like, uh, I don't know what it is, but I have a, it's not, it's not my forte
0: yeah definitely understand that like um Steve has definitely been like a like a big help. He's gotten me like some really solid guests and even um yeah, like I'm sure i I've kind of like when I started this, it was just like I try to hit up people like you know, cold turkey didn't really turn out so well um and then I would go through like a mutual friend and um in doing that, it's like this crazy spider web effect that's been happening so now that I've done so many episodes and um, I'm like so connected to like all these different people, it's definitely made um, getting people on the the podcast a lot easier now than when I first started doing it.
1: Exactly, because it's not it's not just an email in someone's um, inbox. It's like a, a trusted friend texts you and says, "Hey, my friend has a really good podcast. Um, would you want to do an interview?" It's like, "Yeah, awesome." You're you know, because it's like you said, it creates the spider web which is outside of just cold calling, which I think is really important and kind of like a basis of, you know, the hardcore and the punk scene and all the music that we all love and the community that we're a part of it. It, it still reflects in 2019, which is, which is really good to see.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I'm uh, definitely like thankful for all the um, people who helped me out behind the scenes because it um, definitely makes for my sure. life a lot easier.
1: They're the unsung heroes. You know, it's like it, I I can't get stuff done without without my team definitely. So I I really appreciate them. I need them. They they're like family to me. Like uh James from State of Mind Tour and dude is such a good dude. Does so much hard work. Booked my solo tour, didn't ask for a dime and just really really uh supportive in that way and it we had played shows together my old band Jagged Visions and Detriment and that's how we met and I uh I just re- I respect that bond a lot. And you meet each other through music because you never know. There's so many different weird communities <laughs> to meet people in. And uh, I love music for that reason.
0: For your solo tour, um, did you do like the a full U.S.?
1: No, no. I just, I had a really small tour booked, an uh, East Coast tour. And then I'm rebooking, um, I'm booking more for August into September. And that kinda... It sucked actually. Like the the tour that that James booked did was really, it was great. Um, I had my pet get really sick. I had like a, I got two cats and one of them got diabetes. Like out of nowhere. Oh wow. Was like on death's doorstep. Uh, we had to bring her in. She's really young too. I mean, not super young, but eight years old. So we kind of had to start giving her two injections a day, and uh, it was like a big, big deal medically for her, which I know to some people may not seem like that big of a deal, but if you, if you've ever had a dog or a cat, it's like, they're, they're, they are like, they're, they are family, like indisputably. So it's like, I, I had to cut a couple of days off that tour to stay home and take care of her, which really sucked. But, um, luckily she actually went into remission. She doesn't have diabetes any longer. So we gave her the shots for about a month and a half, but, so I ended up missing a couple of those dates, but then it, it ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise because now I book, I'm booking a longer tour right now and just adding a few days onto it and going to go at the end of the summer. So that should be sick. But, yeah, it's kind of a crazy story with my first solo tour. Of course, my cat has to get sick. And they uh, <laughs> only give her injections. I'm, like, terrified of needles. So my fiance is trying to, like, shoot up my cat while I hold her. It was, it was pretty fun.
0: Yeah. That is like probably like a strange experience, like kind of forcing your cat to do something that you like, I like hate.
1: Dude, it's, it's rough too. Yeah. Cause she, she was really good about it. I think part of her sense that she needed to get this medicine because when her blood sugar was dropping really low, she couldn't, you know, wasn't waking up or she wasn't really responding to anything. And as she got better, she, she would sit there and be a little bit more cooperative, but yeah, my, my fiancé's sticking her in the back with a needle and I kind of, you know, got to hold her in place and be really firm with her. It's Definitely, it's a weird thing, but ironically, it made us tighter. Like, now now me and my cat are even tighter because we we kind of saved her life, which is sick.
2: Yeah, it's probably my, like super you know, sick. I
1: had a lot of people, a lot of people are like, just, just put her down or, you know, just, just leave her in the kennel for the week. And she's never been sick before, so I was just like, I can't do that. I'm not, if I go and I come back and my, my cat Philly is dead I, I i would never be able to let myself live it down so had to take one for the team on that one but uh she loves me for it so it's all good in the end
0: yeah that's awesome that, that's cool that i was um <laughs> able to um fight through it
1: it's expensive oh my, my god vet bills are insane that was like the hardest part about it um like money wise but I, I don't care i would i would mortgage the place i live to to help her out so but damn man i should have been a vet <laughs> <laughs> they make a lot of money
0: for sure it's a I, cool job. um do you like um could you deal with animals all day
1: i i could like i have some friends that do rescue with cats and a, a lot of friends that do rescue with pipple um all pipples and like um i i i do love that Environment and I could definitely do that all day. If I wasn't so obsessed with writing music constantly, I would uh, either do that or work with kids. I I used to work um, at like a daycare center forever ago, and working with kids is always fun because they keep you on your toes and they don't take any shit. And uh, it would definitely be something like that, where you go home at the end of the day exhausted, but you're fulfilled, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. It's something that you would enjoy doing.
1: if if I had to do the nine to five job. Otherwise I just do uh, basically like construction work in between uh, working with music, had a a few odd jobs here and there, but never really committed to like a career path.
0: So do you do just music full time?
1: Basically, I mean, at, at my own expense, (laughs) um, I, I, I've had tons of uh, different jobs. Like I worked at black market kitchen, which is a really awesome meal prep place in Connecticut but Pete's wife runs it. Shout out to black market kitchen it's a it's a really awesome company. um it's it was just a little far from where I live, but uh, I used to work at a health food store. it's on carpentry. so I kind of just do anything I can in between. actually right now I'm um, possibly gonna be doing like an apprenticeship through a union, which is cool because I, I love construction work and I like the nine to five schedule so that'll probably be what I end up doing in the near future but yeah i write too much music and uh i sacrifice things that people will be like that's ridiculous like what you're going to do this to you know skip this or do this to go play a show and it's kind of like an addiction obsession
2: uh
1: at this point ever since i was a kid i i'll book things like when i see a show offer or something that appeals to me uh, i'll definitely sacrifice certain things and and sometimes probably sacrifice too much to make it happen but uh just I've had I've had a hard past in in life with with different challenges just like everybody does and uh, you you kind of realize what's really important to you and I've always had a vision for music and ironically this is what it is is to to play in a ton of bands until you kind of carve out the path that's going to set you down towards your the path you're destined for which who knows what that is but the journey is like the most exciting part and I know that sounds like a cliche but to be able to play shows with, you know, I've known some of these kids since fourth and fifth grade and then the rest of the kids and in, in most of my hardcore bands I've known since I was a teenager. So I don't even know if, if I would have such a close knit tie with, with these people where we're like, you know, brothers, we're definitely like a family. I, if it wasn't for music, I, I probably wouldn't have that in my life. So I'll, I'm always ready to sacrifice to, to go out and to to play and try and give something back to, to something that I feel like gave so much to me in my life.
0: Yeah. I'm just talking to you in the short time that we've been on the podcast. I can definitely tell that you're like really passionate about music and I'm, um, I think that's awesome because I, I feel like that just makes me like your music even more just because I, to know that it actually means something to you.
1: I, I appreciate that, man. And I, I know everyone feels that way. Um, There's a lot of like, I'm a little bit older than a lot of the kids that I play music with. And um, it's, I guess I just, uh, I I see it in in younger kids, how inspired they are. And that that pushes me because I'm on a weird, uh, like, you know, I've always been writing songs since I was 10 years old, solo songs, but I always want to play in a band. So it's kind of like a weird balance. But knowing these younger kids, like Justin, who uh, plays bass Berry Dreams, and, uh, played bass in zero hour, plays in late to rest. Uh, they're playing this is hardcore this year. He's 19. He just turned 20. I know he just turned 21. And he, uh, he, he pushes me more than anybody just to see him like the the fire that's lit under his ass for music. And he does strongman competitions. Like the young kids really see me on my feet because they, they don't put up with any bullshit. And, uh, you know, some of my friends that are closer to my age, a lot of them are, will be nice to me and you know, maybe not tell me it's so, so plain and so, so hard how I need to hear it sometimes. So I definitely appreciate my passion definitely comes from being able to work with other people. Cause it's like, it's inspiring to have to work with uh, the parameters of playing in a band with other people. Cause everyone, you know, has the way they want to write it and sometimes egos can get in the way. I, I just love the chaos of all that. I like the music that's produced from, from just the simple idea of friends getting together and and writing music. I probably would have never met Justin if it wasn't for hardcore because he, you know, he'd have no reason to talk to someone that's, you know, over a decade older than him. But music, it's like, it just, it really makes it so it's, it's a non-issue. Pete, uh, I murmur, he's about 10 years older than me and I grew up worshiping hundred demons, you know, every, everything he worked on, um, Definitely like was a big fan of so to be able to make music with him now and to call him like one of my best friends is It's an honor and that's something I have to really accredit music for
0: Speaking of a hundred demons. Um, I saw them uh, man, how long ago was it? They played um, out in LA. I, I think it was one of uh, the for the children's and um he was um, doing vocals and he uh, mentioned that they're supposed to come out with a new record, but like it just never happened. I was curious. Do you like know anything about that?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to speak for them. Um, but I know they, they were working on something, but uh, I, I don't want to say anything about that. Cause I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to put any words in their mouths or anything, but um, I hope, I hope there's a new hundred demons record every day in my life. So, for sure no so, i'm
0: I'm right there with you
1: uh it's it's crazy like the the material that they have released is so awesome, and um they're playing this year on this as hardcore as like the uh the lineup for in the eyes of the Lord, which is sick Bruce is gonna be singing that one um for that set, which is really cool but uh yeah i I can't say anything on that,
0: okay. All right I, I, just I hope so though yeah no, i hope so yeah yeah because when i first saw 100 demons i was like i think i was like third no i was like 14 or 15 and um when i first saw them bruce um was actually on tour with them and mm-hmm. and then i saw them like a couple of years ago in la and um saw them with pete so i was like cool like I've i've seen like You know hundred demons with like both of the front men. So I I thought that was cool and I was definitely looking forward to new music and I still am because I I, I think that band um, For what they put out is just like awesome
1: Yeah, the the first album I remember when I first got it. It's just such a classic uh, Connecticut release that that and last days by death threat and hate breed satisfaction is a a desire like all those coming out and around the same couple years same few year period those are like uh the bible of music out here in connecticut and definitely you got to see both of the eras you know if you got to see bruce and pete you got to see the whole thing um eyes of the lord is is sick i don't know if you're into them but bruce's new project is awesome they're playing this year too
0: have yeah. you checked
1: out that EP they released?
0: Yeah, I, I, definitely have like, um, like, uh, way back when, w- when I wanted to actually kind of try to give back to hardcore, I would, um, hit up bands and do like these like little like email interviews. And I, yep. the first, um, the, the first person I hit up was, um, Taylor young, like the day that, ep dropped i emailed taylor young and he was actually nice enough to give me like the time of day and answer like the i think like the 10 questions i sent him so definitely like that band
1: oh yeah that's awesome yeah the young brothers that's awesome man that that's cool how how you started i didn't realize that that's a that's really cool yeah i'm because you can you can it's so easy to just ignore an email and be like dope don't have time for this but when someone takes the time to write you back it's just it it shows a level of respect and i, I love that
0: yeah for sure and it, it, it should like to me it shows that they actually um you know care and want to um help spread like th- like the word about like whatever they're doing so it's it, 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 it something really cool. you know
1: they've got un- that's another you know they've got tons of stuff going on too like obviously with with their other projects and I'm so happy that eyes of the Lord had the response that it did. I think this year, the response will be insane. I think it'll be really good this year, especially because demons are playing and Bruce will be singing for that. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm glad into another is playing. That's one of my favorite bands. I love that dude's vocals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It should be um, a pretty good year. I, I definitely like the lineup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I would like to see it. I'm glad Death threat right, playing again. One of my favorites. Really, really good friends. I'm, um, I'm happy that they went out there and did uh, the tour with Hangman and went down to Mexico and stuff. I'm, I'm like happy to see all that. One of my favorite bands ever.
0: Yeah, and like they've been doing it for so long, um, but like it, it, like the music holds up so well.
1: Yeah, they, there's, there's not one release from them that I'm like, oh, this one, this one's a little bit less than like they're all, they're all sick. I'm happy to see them get the recognition that they deserve. Growing up, the, those songs are just so so important to me. And uh, that's another person to be able to call Aaron one of my friends is just an honor. I'm happy that they're getting out there and doing stuff with the band like as active and young as Hangman because it just it really just makes sense. And they're just killing it.
0: So, uh, did you um, grow up in the Connecticut area?
1: Yeah. Yep. I grew up here in, down on the shoreline between like New London and New Haven. So I was like a teenager in the late nineties. I'm I'm super old. I'm 36 now. Okay. You're,
0: uh, you're a little bit older than me. I'm 30.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So just like, you know, one, one and a half high school generations older. Um, Connecticut was an awesome place in the late nineties. I really like, you know, I, it's, it's a stupid cliche and I don't, I don't want to, say tons of cliches but before the internet and you know everything blowing up which has its upsides too um it was just a really really cool environment here in the late 90s i loved going to some of my first shows at the tune-in and tuxedo junction in connecticut cape breed was just getting big so it was like everyone was curious about what was going on with underground music so it was, a, it was a cool way to come up like i'm grateful that i came up over here on the east coast around the time i did that's awesome when hate got huge Hatebreed got huge and with uh perseverance and we were all like holy shit, this is nuts like they were we always knew they were an amazing band but we we never knew it was going to get like that
0: yeah because <laughs> even to this day there's still like a huge band
1: oh yeah they're, they're they're legendary they just played here with obituary um at the college street music hall it was insane on 420 i didn't get to go but i heard it was insane terror played. It's like, yeah, they're, they're legends. They're all really good, really good people too. The, uh, the dudes in hatred they're always around and very supportive of music in Connecticut. So past and present members, it's, it's a cool community. Everyone's pretty tight knit.
0: Uh, growing up, uh, did you ever travel to New York a lot?
1: Oh yeah. Um, it's kind of it since it's in our backyard. I used to write graffiti a lot in high school. I was obsessed with graffiti, so we would ride the trains, the MTA line from New Haven down to New York. We would just take that just to to see the walls, and then to get out in New York and go to the scrapyard, which is like a graffiti shop. We would walk to and um, obviously to go see shows and stuff. It always we were always trying to get to New York as much as possible because New York hardcore for us in like the mid '90s was it was. uh we got the New York hardcore documentary and it was just like, just very important is it that's some of the vision of disorder and mad ball. Those are some of the first bands that I ever really, really got into. And uh, so we were always trying to go down there and be a part of that. But New York's such a big place, such a crazy place. I remember some of the first hardcore shows I went to, I'd be like, this is what a show is like in New York city. And I, I had to realize that you just had to be at the right shows. Cause there's probably 20 shows going on every night. But um definitely spent a lot of time down there. I played there a lot of uh, played a lot of shows down there with all different projects, with probably with, you know, five or six of my different projects. And it's always sometimes it's awesome and sometimes I've I've played some, some not so awesome shows there back in the day. But uh, some of those run like doing a tour that we had booked ourselves through MySpace. <laughs> my old band, Call It Arson. We did a full US that we pretty much booked ourselves, but that was uh, maybe two thousand five.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Long,
1: long time ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ancient. So you booked a a full U.S. through MySpace. Um, How many of those dates fell through?
1: Oh, uh, probably, probably at least six of them. I think we were out for 28 days and it was, we had one cell phone with us at the time. I I think we had like a track phone, which is like a disposable thing. We had one of those old phone vans, which is like a AT&T phone van, which is, it, the thing just looks like a like a rapist van. It really <laughs> looks like a. There's just one of those white vans with no windows on it. Okay. And we 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 did we got out to like Durango, Colorado, and had played some pretty good shows out to there. Ended up having we didn't realize about booking the drives. We didn't take that into consideration. Like you don't want to do a 12-hour drive in between shows. It seems like common sense nowadays, but booking it out with it with an atlas back then, one of those big road atlases and just typing everything up on MapQuest. We didn't realize that like a 30 hour drive from Durango, Colorado to Olympia, Washington would be like a nightmare. And so we ended up doing this drive, which took a day and a half just to get there. We get there and I call the kid to go check in about the show. And he's like, Oh, the show's canceled. And, uh, that that was kind of like the lowest point. I think someone was there doing a video on it, like a documentary, too, of, of our whole tour, which I'm working on editing now. But I just remember telling the kids through this broken track phone, like, well, where do you live? Because I want to come kill you now. Because <laughs> I just drove two days. <laughs> and there's no show. I think we ended up hanging up on each other. But, um, but yeah, we it, those were exciting times. We ended up sleeping in restrooms sometimes because the van would be too cold in Colorado. And just definitely threw the baby in the deep end with that and learned a lot about touring and how fun it is. Even, even the shittiest day on tour, it's, it's, it's so fun. If you're with people you love, you can, you can be eating rice and beans and peanut butter and eating nothing. and Still have a great time. You find out that people in every city will take you in and take care of you. And then you go back next time. And it's like, those are your people from now on. Every time you go to that city, you have that group of people and it just grows, which is, which is awesome. That's, that's when I knew like, well, yeah, I'm going to play music for the rest of my life. Once I saw that there was other people out there that felt the same way that we did.
0: I think it's crazy that you guys drove so far and the guy didn't even um try to call you and tell you that the show was canceled to save you that like long drive.
1: I, I think he probably had our, so the deal with the track phone was that it, it stayed off until you we plugged it in at a gas station. I mean, in a dude's defense, he might not have had a contact number except our original numbers and, like, our emails. But the fact that he didn't even say, like, yo, come to my house and just crash here. We ended up going down to a place, I think it was called the Voyeur, um, which was a club that we heard you could just go to this club and set up and play any night of the week if uh, if you're a touring band. And I heard someone told me, I don't know if it was true, that Nirvana used to play there. And uh, I was like, all right, well, let's just go do that and we'll at least play, we'll go at least set up and play. So we went I think it was called the voyeur We went there and they let us play and we actually ended up selling some merch that night. Um I remember James, our guitarist was falling asleep while we we're playing it's on video. He's like passing out because he was so exhausted from the drive, going through the Rocky Mountains in like a twenty year old van. He uh he didn't feel comfortable with me driving the whole way. So he kinda like was like, No, shut the fuck up, I'm driving so by the time we got to this show he had no energy left and was completely exhausted but you know obviously if I'm talking about it now it's one of the most fun times I've ever had in my life so the irony is is great with tour like that you can be like "Hey, it was such a shitty day but it was the best day
0: so when you got to that club did you just kind of um show up and be like hey like we're a band and we want to play or like how did that work out
1: exactly it was it was a little awkward we just walked in and uh it was kind of like a coffee shop type of setup and then in the back there was a little um and i went in and and asked you know i said hey our show got canceled we're on tour we're from connecticut can we play here tonight and they're like yeah I, i don't remember what the conditions were but we didn't have to pay anything they're like yeah bring your stuff in and set up um and i remember when we started playing in the room there was nobody in there it was like there was maybe 20 people in the the whole coffee shop, but this room was kind of like, it's kind of like the map room in the Electric Bowery in New York, which is, um, you've probably never been there, so it's a bad example, East Coast example, but it's like detached from the rest of the club. So you didn't really have to listen to the band if you didn't want to. And I remember playing the first note and being like, there's nobody in here. We're playing for literally nobody. And as soon as we did, after the first song, people came in and, and they started asking us between songs like what's your deal <laughs> we were like, you know we, we our show got canceled so that's why we we're here playing if you guys want to buy any merch it would help us get to update but if you just want to listen like whatever we're just playing anyways and it ended up being a cool night we found kids to stay with they took us in and took care of us and then we got to our next show we ended up moving to portland oregon actually after that because we had uh, such like a good response in portland we actually picked up and just moved across the country
0: like the, the whole band
1: yeah, we. My old band called it Arson. We, uh, I think it was two thousand three. We decided we're like we're just we're gonna move to Portland, and four of us did. I brought my cousins, so five of us got like a nice big house in North Portland, and it was awesome. It kind of it really all fell apart after after like six months. I became like an insane alcoholic, kind of like psychopath, and uh, half the half the band ended up quitting. So James and I came home <clears throat> to get more members for the band. We had to come back to Connecticut. But yeah, that was, Portland's like a really, back then, I, I haven't been there in a few years, but I, I really loved it back then. And yeah, we decided just to move out from Connecticut. Only lasted about eight months, but we wrote some really good music out there. And that's some really, go- really good friends that I'm still friends with today.
0: Damn, that's crazy that you guys just liked it so much there that you guys just picked up and moved across the country.
1: Yeah, it's a little, it's a little ridiculous. We, uh, someone was there making like a video documentary of the whole tour, which hasn't been edited uh, yet. It's been just like sitting, collecting dust, but he has the whole thing on camera where I'm talking to the real estate agent and I'm just a kid. I think I was 21. I, I have no idea what I'm doing, but, uh, it's funny. It's all documented. Us calling back home and canceling the lease and getting, we got a really sick house. It was like a giant uh, Two-story house with one of those nice like Portland type houses with a porch out front and it was uh, it was definitely like heaven for a few Months it just got a little crazy a Little yeah. young and a little little bit too crazy for the West Coast I guess the East Coast might be better at keeping me in line so brutal out here
0: So when you guys um, lived in Portland, do you guys like um, was there like an active scene or? Um, do you guys have like a big following in that area. <laughs>
1: We, yeah, we started playing shows, and, um, of course, uh, we ended up joining. Like, I ended up joining two or three hardcore bands as soon as I got there, playing drums, and just uh, met a lot of kids through just going to hardcore shows. Because the, the reason we moved there is because we played the Che Cafe with um, a band called Six Bullets from Portland. They were f- friends with all these kids in a band called Dead Unknown. And um, I think that dude actually runs... Rise Records. There was a band called Physical Challenge. All, the, all these bands from that area, for some reason they were down at the show in San Diego and Call It Arson played, which I, I played like an acoustic guitar in that band. And we would end up playing on a lot of hardcore builds just because those, most of our friends were all in hardcore bands and any of the touring that I had done was with my other part, uh, band for all it's worth, which was just like a straight up kind of like youth crew sounding hardcore band. So Call It Arson is kind of like, I don't I don't want to pigeonhole it or anything, but it's kind of like an indie emo type of sound. And so we ended up playing on a lot of hardcore shows and we met these kids at San Diego and they said they lived in Portland and we had just been up there. And I was like, man, I love that place. Like we just played there a few days ago and kind of want to move there. So once we met these kids at the Che Cafe, um, we really hit it off. And I was like, well, now we have like a group of friends too that we know we can hang out with and start going to shows with. So basically once we got home, we just, we, we put the money down for the house and we moved out like a few months later, which was cool. It was exciting. Definitely.
0: That's wild. And uh, do and you guys have like jobs lined up when you moved to Portland or like how'd you guys manage all oh, that? Oh, hell
1: no. No, I didn't have anything. I mean, I worked at a daycare center, so I ended up doing a nannying job. Um, and then I did, I think I worked at a movie theater. <laughs> Everybody got like little shitty random jobs, uh, here and there we ended up playing a few shows at the college portland state university i think that college it's like a It's in the north end of portland we played a few shows there which was awesome and that kind of got us some other shows and we definitely were starting to build build a little bit of a following <clears throat> but um things got crazy in the house and me and my cousin were like kind of like bad troublemakers at that time and just got a little bit too much for everybody so uh that's how that ended up going, but the ties that I made there, I'm, I'm still friends with those people to this day, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and it's even crazier that you met people from Portland randomly in San Diego.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were playing on the show. I think it was Six Bullets. Uh, I ended up playing with Call It Arson, and it's funny because kids from, from that group of friends, uh, Physical Challenge, um, one of my friends, uh, Andy Foote, I just saw him when I played Long Island like a couple months ago. Hadn't seen him in years, but that's what I love about doing my solo stuff. Is I can go out on the road now, and music is probably the best way I can see some of my old friends. Because it's like I'll be passing through to make music. I never really have money to travel, um, so it's like looking forward to getting back out on the road and, ho- and definitely doing it full time. Like this is what I want to do with my life. So I plan on doing Murmur and my solo stuff and uh, playing in the revolving. Revolving wheel of hardcore bands until the day I die.
0: So, um, I'm (laughs) sorry. It seems like
1: that's how it's going.
0: (laughs) No, whatever. As long as you're, you know, enjoying it and doing what you love, I feel like um, that's what's important.
1: Yeah, it's it's been awesome, man. I'm really lucky to uh, have been able to play music with so many like super talented people. It's nuts.
0: Okay, so I've been like dying to ask you this question because I'm w- jumping way back when I asked you about New York. So you grew up oh, in... Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, no, it's all good. We're not a tangent. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's awesome. Um, but so you grew up in K- Connecticut and um, you uh, spent a lot of time in New York and I've always heard that Connecticut, um, like New Haven, um, pizza is way better than New York pizza. So I was just curious, um, what's your stance <laughs> on that? Oh,
1: man, people get murdered over... Over those opinions out here, it's, um, Pepe's. Yeah. New Haven is supposed to be like the most famous place. I, I'm not like a huge, uh, pizza. Uh, I'm not like a huge pizza connoisseur, even though I know that's probably kerosene to say from being out here, but I got to back Connecticut pizza. I feel like a lot of people would be mad at me if I didn't back it, but New York pizza is delicious, but I, honestly, I'm so ignorant about it. I don't know if I could really tell the taste uh, difference like and I have to admit that I, I was vegan for a super long so I was eating fake cheese for years and uh, there's a place in New Haven that makes vegan pizzas called Delania that's super super awesome like re- really good ingredients but um, I have eaten cheese in the in the past few years here and there and the, the stuff that my friends have brought me in Connecticut it, it is pretty amazing I see why people defend it definitely but I don't know enough about the culture to say like you'd have to ask Aaron from death, Threat. He's like the pizza master. Okay. He he's, he started a pizza company out in the West coast with my friend Griff. And, yep. uh, they were like designing pizzas or something. He he recently moved home and doing a ton of shit with death threat right now, but he showed me, he, he has a lot to say on the subject. And uh, I feel like I'd be betraying someone if I didn't shout out Connecticut pizza as the best.
0: Okay, that's fair. But
1: me, I'm I'm not like a, a huge pizza guy. Um, but I know that it's bad some other places in the country, so I, I think I take it for granted a little bit.
0: Okay, yeah, because I'm from California, and I'm you know Chicago, New York, New Haven. Those are always like the places where pizza supposed to be the best.
1: Yeah, it it, it really is like it, it New York and and uh. And the East Coast, really. It, I like thin crust. I, I it's it's really good out here. I I've seen nightmare pizzas in like on tour in other states where it's like some giant like that old style pizza where it's like five inches thick, really high off the plate. Like I I've seen how it can be, so I'm probably a little bit biased and a little bit spoiled being from New England.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you for answering that. I had to um squeeze that in there because uh, cuz cause I'm always curious cuz I like I I'm always fascinated by by food. So
1: yeah, I guess I got to I got to stick with New Haven. They all, everybody says it was invented here. So I that's that's what they claim, but you know, I don't know enough about it.
0: Okay. Well, I I'm sure at some point we can maybe uh dive deeper and get to the bottom of this.
1: <laughs>
0: but, um uh, honestly, I'm. I'm uh, when I listened to your um, solo stuff, I was like super blown away at like how good um, your singing voice is. Because um, I was first introduced to you through. I'm um, casting blood. So, um, that's like what I had, um, like, you know, ingrained in my mind um, for your vocals. So then when I went and listened to your solo stuff and I heard like, you know, you're, you're clean singing, like, you know, with the style of your solo project, I was like really surprised at how um, like good of a voice you have. Can you talk about um, like when you found out you could sing or did you like take any lessons or how did you manage to get um, that good at it?
1: I Thank you, man. That's, that's really kind of you to say. Um, I started singing when I was 10. Uh, I started writing songs. The first song I ever learned how to play was uh, House of the Rising Sun by The Animals. My dad taught me how to play it on an acoustic. So I started singing that uh, terribly. But I had a little boom box, like uh, just a little two cassette deck boom box, which I could record on one side of the deck. And so I would just make recordings and, and wonder. <laughs> I have some of those recordings. I thought about releasing them. They're so I sound like a chipmunk. They're so funny. But I can tell, you know, what I was working with was like, I, I learned how to cover songs because I wanted to emulate exactly what they were doing, whether it was the Beatles or Bob Dylan um, or even like Jackson Brown. Uh, Jimi Hendrix like I, I I took all my parents vinyl when I was in fifth or sixth grade and I got really inspired um, Whatever records they had had because they were from the baby boomer hippie generation I kind of soaked all that stuff in and I really wanted to write the same type of music but when I would listen to my voice back I was always like I sound like a uh, a girl because I was so young and I and I have like a higher voice anyways and I'd be like Why can't I just sing? I didn't understand, you know that your voice drops when so you get older And you'd be able to sing that that stuff later in life, but uh, I really started back then mimicking music that I really loved in a a full octave above it. But I learned how to sing the notes because every time I would play back the recording, I'd be like, well, that sucked, you have to do that again. And through kind of like troubleshooting in that process, I've been writing music ever since. Um, I ended up getting, I got kicked out of school. I got arrested so many times in high school. I uh, was gone my junior year. And then when I got arrested, I think I got arrested for the fifth time when I was a senior, they sent me to like a rehab facility. And then I got sent to another facility for like nine months in Montana, which was kind of like a boot camp type thing, where um, at certain points during your stay there, there would be times where you could play guitar and you, you could have some kind of like your writing, reading. Um, I was lucky enough to have my guitar with me. And I think that's when I really start with singing every day because we had nothing to do there i was with like a group of uh, other kids there was maybe like 10 or 12 of us living out in the wilderness in this cabin so we had nothing to do so i would think of every cover i could and i was also writing stuff and just bouncing it off them so i had a good nine months there to really just sing and work on writing and fix the things that i didn't like about my writing so by the time i came home and everyone was graduating from high school i was kind of ready to write music as like a solo writer, but I just, I, I love playing drums so much. I can't even decide which one I like more. So I, I just started drumming in a bunch of bands and was always writing stuff on the side. And most of it went to my band, Call It Arson, which there was like two, uh, another singer songwriter, kind of like, almost like a Beatles type of rip off where there's two creative forces and then you work off the rest of the band. But, um, Solo stuff. I've just always written. Like no matter what band I'm playing in, I, I always have songs because it's just what I like to do. So I'm always going to be writing, and recording, and have like a little library going of stuff I'm working on. And you know, tons of stuff doesn't see the light of day because some of it's not good enough, and that's just part of the process. But I never really considered myself a super super good singer. Um, I I did chorus in middle school, um, but I never had any formal training. So I'm happy that that people feel that way about my voice at all. It's I, I'm really appreciative because I definitely am not uh, classically trained.
0: Um, when you were doing your, um, solo stuff, was it weird to hear yourself, um, on the recording singing that way for the first time?
1: No, it, it, it's cause it's real similar to, um, my other band called it arson. It's very similar. Like we've been on a hiatus for a long time now, but we, uh, it's it's the same type of music. So I I've, I've been recording, doing that kind of a style where it's like singing for the whole song since I was young. Since I was like we started doing call it arson I think when I was 18 or 19. So I've I've been doing that for a long time. But the solo stuff is a little bit different. Um, Greg from Silver Bullet Studios, Greg Thomas, he plays in the, uh, the band and. He, he really is like the other half of my album. He's a, he's a brilliant producer. He did the Murmur record with us too. He did Jagged Visions. He's the one who did uh, the last cast and blood song that we put out last year, King and Yellow. He, uh that place is sick. Like Hangman just did the record there. I know Vatican's coming back to work on stuff. He, he really kind of opened me up to uh, a lot of different things with my solo record. And he, he plays electric guitar on there and kind of helped flesh out the arrangements and, it's exciting between that record and Murmur. I've learned a lot over the past few years. So it's cool. It's a, it's a constant learning process. And Murmur is something where I was actually the most surprised to hear my voice back because I, I sing a lot differently in that band. But um, I'm always learning and, and getting shredded in the studio. <laughs> you like that. You know, that take was good. That, that take sucked. When I hear that take sucked, I usually sing a lot better on the next, the next take. When I hear that take's good, my quality tends to dip. I get a little bit of like a big head or something.
0: Okay. Um. So, uh, sorry. Kind of just jumping around, but um. Murmur. Um. How'd you guys decide on that name for the project?
1: <coughs> Excuse me. Um. <coughs> we were bouncing around a bunch of ideas, and uh, Pete came up with the name. It's actually named. It. it not specifically, but it, it also happens to be one of the 72 demons uh, from the Galatia. And so that's kind of like old Solomon magic, uh, old old Solomon magic stuff from the 72 demons. It, he's he's one of those demons in that legion. And there's a lot of stuff you can look up online about the particular demon that, that shares the same name. Actually, our sigil is the... Same thing for one of our uh, artistic designs, but it's it's not just based on that. Um, Pete came up with the idea. He's really good with being creative like that and putting together song titles and uh, lyrics. Like, he writes a lot of lyrics, and I'll bring him, like, vocal lines, and we'll flesh them out, and then he'll go and write an entire story, kind of like a legend, as a basis for the song he's going to write. So it has kind of, like, a continuity and, like, a story to it. And then he'll write the lyrics, which are basically like a poem crafted from that story. So he has a cool little process and, uh, murmur seems to be part of that same process, which, you know, I, I think he's a genius with the, uh, the stuff he does with words and the way he can sing. So it, it's, it couldn't really be named anything else, I, I don't think
0: it's does, Definitely a weird name. Um, does he post those stories anywhere for people to read?
1: He actually, he he, ha, he hasn't yet, because it's, it's just been this past year we've been recording. But uh, I, I've i mentioned that to him, that I think it would be really cool for the next album to put together a book um, to go along with the release, if possible, because uh, it's just the stories that he writes are so consistent. It's better than some of the writing I see in film or television. Um, I think it would be cool, like, you, even me, just as a fan of what he does, like, I'd like a bulk of those stories that you wrote that <laughs> our songs some of our songs are based off of so yeah I, th- I think that is a cool idea he actually does a podcast um, which is it's kind of unrelated but it's it's the same world he does a podcast called Stockberry Dark and okay. it's like uh, they 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 have callers uh, call in and it's usually like um, it, it's friends so I mean like uh, a lot he has a lot of friends because he's from the generation before me so he's had some some really awesome guests on that show, um, if you ever get a chance to check it out. But they call and talk about basically like occult experiences, ranging from all different types of things. But we'll recount, uh, for lack of a better term, like experiences with supernatural stuff, either like a ghost story or something that they witnessed or a certain local legend that somebody can attest to and corroborate. And it's it's cool. Him and his friend Klaus, they've been doing that um, for about a year now. I think it's been about a year. And so they they kind of will get into some stories in there. <clears throat> Pete will write a <clears throat> Pete will write a lot about sleep paralysis because um, I know that's something that has affected him and influences a lot of his writing. It sounds like insanely torturous from people that have uh, described sleep paralysis to me. And he'll get into that on the show sometimes, which is really really cool to hear about uh, different people's perspectives on on terror and hope and being you know scared shitless. But he's had some really cool guests on there. I, I do think Murmur would be a great band to have a book, a company with, or some, some kind of uh, compilation of the stories. I think that would be a cool counterpart. There's a, there's a guy that I really love. Um, his name's Giles Corey, or that's his artist name. He's in a, he does a band called Have a Nice Life. He put out a record recently and released a whole book with it. And it's just, it's really sick for the aesthetic and the atmosphere of the recording to have like a counterpart to go with it
0: yeah i i think it would be um an awesome thing to put out with the record because i feel like um like fans or um anybody listening um they could just kind of dive a little deeper into like the meaning of the song and just like have like more of an attachment to it
1: definitely it and that music uh murmur a lot of the songs are written from like a perspective of a character usually like a character in a story so I think you're right, man. I think that would be really cool. We've been uh, we've been batting around the idea of that for a while. That we we recently made a video for one of our songs called Long Before the Light, and in the video, there's copies of books from the other previous videos we made because we released Funeral of the Hunt and then we released The River. So in that video, you'll see copies of uh, they look like tombs or old tomes, like really ancient type looking books and it has the title on it so we we are trying to start to build like a little bit of a universe around murmur because we that's what we're definitely inspired by a lot of uh film and legend and story storytelling for that project in particular
0: yeah hell yeah that that's super sick um i i think that's definitely a cool idea and it'll just give like another layer to the project
1: yeah i Exactly, man. I, I love that. I love the aesthetic of bands, and I, I appreciate the mystery around all of that, and it's a, it's a cool thing to do. My solo work is so personal, and just like, here, you know, here's a bunch of singer-songwriter songs, which there's a there's a time and a place for that, too. But Murmur is something I really—it's it, such a different part of me that it's really been a, a cool learning experience. I'm glad that Pete wanted to go ahead and do it and just do the full length, because it's just been— I can't wait to go write more. Like we just can't wait to get back in the studio.
0: Um, how did you, um, actually link up, um, link up with Pete? Cause I, I, remember, um, reading in the, um, uh, no echo interview that you, um, we working at the, um, the black market spot, right?
1: Yeah. yep. I was working at black market kitchen, um, up in Waterbury, Connecticut. And his wife, uh, uh Shannon, she, they they have a really good business up there, and I was working there. And I had known Pete uh, kind of just like as an acquaintance throughout the years. My old band, Stab You in the Head and Eat Your Face Off, we actually opened for Hundred Demons in like 2003, right before I moved to Portland. Uh, way back when we played with them, and I remember Pete had started singing with them around a little bit before that. And and I was I was just in love with Hundred Demons that first album. It's like I, I I think it's flawless. So uh, I always definitely looked up to him and was terrified of him. He's a, he's a big dude, and uh, he's uh, he's fearsome. But he's he's become one of my best friends and definitely got a, got a really big heart. He came into to work one day and was just like, we, we had been talking about music and kind of had some similar interests. Um, I think he used to he he'd seen my old band a couple times, call it Arson, and I was always surprised that he uh, liked one of our records. Our 2006 release, uh, Animal Strings. He was he, he liked that album for some reason. So we would talk about it a little bit here and there, and eventually he was like, "We should just uh, we should write some songs and sing like motherfuckers." And and I was like, "I, I would love to." You know, always kind of just thinking like, "Wow, well, I'd love to do anything with Pete." Once I found out that he was a classically trained singer, I was like, "Holy shit, that that's insane!" Because I've only you know I knew the Hundred Demons voice and I heard him sing on there, but to hear that he, you know, he trained as an opera singer when he was a teenager. Just uh, the potential there is, is nuts. And, um, the first song we wrote was, uh, the last parade. I think it was the first demo we did. And as soon as we went in and demoed that, we, we really liked how it sounded and we both kept listening to it. And, uh, sorry, that's my fiance just texted me. And, uh, we, we decided like, we'll go make a full length. So, started writing and within like two or three months we had 12 to 13 songs and uh, we just started ripping through them we cut a couple to keep his b-sides and that's pretty pretty much led us up to here um but yeah it's it's sick it's an honor to work with Pete
0: Hell yeah really I'm...
1: powerful creative force
0: uh, are you good with the time
1: oh yeah yeah she's uh she's she's on her way home I think she was just texting me to let me know
0: okay for sure um... Well, that's sick. Um I had no idea um that Pete was classically trained as an opera singer. That's that's wild to think about.
1: Yeah, isn't it? It you wouldn't you wouldn't think you know some some terrifying singer with with a voice that literally sounds like a hundred demons can sing this these beautiful his range is insane. I mean, he's had full range um at different points of his life, so it's 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 a learning experience for me you know i i gotta keep up the technique and stuff are are things that i you know I have to work on because i'm such a i'm such a self taught singer you know i'm sure a, a sing a vocal coach would look at my shit and just rip it apart which is which is fine by me because i like to i like to develop a kind of like gorilla style but I also appreciate that the stuff in murmur has really made me have to kind of like step up to the plate and become a better singer, which is uh that's why I like playing music with other people because you know hopefully I can just be the best, the best version of myself, and I can give people something that's worth you know their time. Time is precious, you know that if they're going to come hear me perform. I want to make sure it's it's the best of the best. So it's like that's a, that's why I, I'm not afraid of being pushed or challenged to get better at something because I know that you know we can all improve, especially in in all areas, but music. I think until the day you die, if you don't feel like you're improving, then like, what's the point?
0: I think it's interesting that you bring up a vocal coach. So, um, I'm like, like a huge, like Disney, like nerd, I love going to, to Disneyland. I'm there like all the time. And, um, yeah. next, uh, next week, um, the, um, live action, um, Aladdin movie comes out. And recently they released, uh, like a new version of the song, a whole new world, um, with, uh, the singer Zane and this, um, girl, God, I got, I feel so bad cause, cause I forget her name, but some like, um, like she's like super young. I think she's like 16, but she just has like a phenomenal voice. And I, Is li-
1: it that girl, it's not Billie Eilish?
0: No, no, no. no. It, it's some other girl. Um, I am I forget her name. It, 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 it escapes me. Hold on. I'm going to to look it up real quick. Sorry. Um, no, it's okay. I
1: remember that I had to sing that song in, uh, in fourth grade. We had to sing it for like a, a school concert type thing. So I'm definitely familiar with that song. I didn't know they were doing a live action movie.
0: Yeah, it, it actually comes out um, next uh, uh, Thursday. Um, well, like slated for Friday, but you know, they do like the midnight releases, quote unquote, on Thursdays. Um, yeah, so they, um, did like a new version of a whole new world, um, with Zane and the girl's name's, uh, Zavia, if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and it was like an interesting take, um, but, but I liked it. And, um, I was just like, one day I was like just on YouTube, just going down the rabbit hole. And I stumbled across this video of like a vocal coach, um, like, listening to the song and talking about, um, like why he liked it. And I just, I, my mind was like blown because I, like I listened to it just as like one of my favorite Disney songs ever just done by like new people. But then listening to this local right. coach, like actually break it down like systematically and like me understanding like why they would like sing things a certain way just kind of like blew my mind because like, I don't know how to sing and I don't know like the, like the crazy details about that. But like hearing this like vocal coach break it down, it just like blew my mind.
1: I, I know what you mean. I uh, like recently I never had watched um what's that show America's Got Talent or what uh, th- those, what the hell is it called? American um, Idol. Yes. American Idol. I can't believe I just, that that evaded me. Um, that, uh, I never watched that before in my life. And recently I watched some YouTube episodes of people just getting shredded on there. And that, that was kind of funny to me to, to see that these are like, you know, 15 year old videos that everybody's seen a million times, but it kind of led me to watching some vocal coach videos. Like you're kind of describing where they'll react to a certain song or it'll be like vocal coach listens to, um, play sober for the first time and will kind of react to the vocals. And, and I know what you mean, like to hear a vocal coach break it down. Like I heard someone do it about Freddie Mercury uh, from Queen and describing his voice. And that, that's what I love about singing is like you can sound like another person, but you really have the opportunity with all instruments. But for me, it's been easier with, with the voice to, to have a one-of-a-kind, like unique sound, whether or not people like it, at least, you know, it's your own thing. And it's distinguishable from everything else. And I love, I, I have gone down rabbit holes watching those vocal coach videos because they're fascinating to me to hear someone explain it objectively and kind of like critique something that I, that, that I've always just worked at and wanted to get better at. But to hear them analyze it is it's it's validating and it, it's, it's exciting to, to see people passionate about singing like that. I've definitely learned a lot from those videos because uh, I just sing and, and take it for granted and, and don't really consider the quality. And, and I've always, you know, I have a thousand singers that I look up to that uh, that I think are geniuses. And to see their stuff through a different perspective, it, it's sick, man. It, 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 I can see how the new version of Whole New World could be mind-blowing, because it's like the old one was what? Was it like Elton John? Or no, it was, he, he sang Circle of Life. I guess it was the old the old, uh, artist that did whole new world in the nineties.
0: It was, uh, I think the girl, her name's like, uh, Brenda song. If I'm, uh I'm, I'm looking it up. It's like my favorite. It's a movie. real
1: straightforward kind of like real straightforward approach. I mean, you know, obviously people love it and everything, but I'd be curious to hear a new version of that myself.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll s- send you a link to the um, video so you can check it out or the, like the new version
1: so are you just a fan? You, you just love Disney, like the whole culture around it?
0: Yeah. Like, um, just like growing up, I was exposed to like the movies and I just, um, you know, ended up growing up and watching like Disney channel. And then I would do annual trips to Disneyland with my family. And then right before I, um, cause, cause I, I grew up in the Palm Springs area. So um, I eventually made the move to Orange County and that's like Disney central. Cause um, that's where Disneyland is. It's in Anaheim. And once I moved right. there and like, I was just like exposed to it even more and like got like kind of like involved with the culture and realized that, um, you know, there were people like me who like were crazy about it and like loved going to the parks like all the time. So just like over time, it's it kind of built up into this crazy thing. Like I wasn't always like super crazy into it like I've, I've always liked it but just o- like over time like uh, it has just gotten deeper and deeper
1: I know yeah I know that Steve's into it too because I know he does he's like a, a talented wrestler but I know that he's done uh, that he, he I always see him at Disney so would is that how you guys met like through through that kind of connection or was it through music
0: um if I'm being honest like Steve was just like one of those um, people who I, I just um were following on Instagram and oh okay yeah just because like we um since he he literally knows like so many people like we had like a bunch of mutual friends and we had a lot of like common interests and he actually um he he came out to california to wrestle but at that same time i was going to um new york for the first time so it was just kind of weird that we kind of just like um switched spots Um, so we like missed each other that time, but like a couple months later, he actually came back to California to go to Disneyland and that's where I met him for the first time. And since then, um, I'm since that first time he's came back to California, um, twice and I've been to Florida, um, for, for Disney world with him like twice. So, um, it's pretty crazy.
1: It's it's hard to go somewhere and not meet somebody who knows Steve definitely. He's definitely knows everybody.
0: Yeah, like we're in Florida for this va- va- like this random vacation that we planned and we um he's like telling us like oh, so and sos here um and my friends from this other state are here and it's like okay, cool. Like you literally have friends all over and it's weird that they're all randomly here at the same time, but it's cool cuz um uh, like obviously he like introduced us to his friends and um everybody seemed cool
1: yeah i know the the wrestling too is a whole nother network you know like hardcore and and even like disney culture it's just a whole nother that that scene is huge and i know he puts a lot of work in with that stuff too
0: yeah it's. i always
1: see him in his crazy costumes They're they're really impressive
0: yeah, um, I I'm. I, I still haven't seen him wrestle. I, I'm sure I will eventually, but um, I, I, I always ask him about it just because I'm always like so fascinated because like, growing up, I, I loved like um, WWF um, like back in the day. so I, I just always have like a million questions for him about like him, like wrestling in like a costume because it's just like crazy to me.
1: You should do a wrestling interview with him sometime. Just have him on the show.
0: You know, um, for as many like guests as like Steve like has hooked me up with, like I think we've tried like three times to get him on the podcast. It's just. Um, I, I just think our schedules just kind of like clash at some points, but I, I definitely want to have him on. Like I'm going to have him on at some point just cause like he's been like, um pretty important uh, with like getting me like certain people. So, um, it's, it's just a matter of time, but I, I want to have him on for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds
0: like that'd be a good episode. Yeah. Shout out Steve. Um, he's awesome. So, uh, and, oh, and I'm sure he's going to listen to this uh, just because um, he, he always listens to the episodes um, where he helps out. So, um, Steve, if you're listening, um you need to make time and come on the podcast.
1: Yeah, Steve. Just like he, he needed me. He, he's OCD in a way. I had a hoodie I was wearing at a Cats and Blood show where the sleeves were ripped. And the whole, the whole set, it was bothering him. And at the end of the set, <clears throat> he told me, you got to sew your sleeves next time. It's fucking killing me. And, uh, cause they were just kind of tattered. And so, Steve, for me sw- sewing my sleeves, you got to come do a wrestling episode so I could listen to you answer some questions. So just making that known. And I love you, Steve. Thanks for, uh, hooking me up with getting me on the podcast. Hell yeah. Good kid right there.
0: Yeah. Great guy. Um, all right, real quick. So you're good. Um, you're about to do a, a solo tour. Um, is this going to be a full U.S.?
1: No, I'm. I'm just going to go out for about ten days. Um, Cast and Blood's doing like a few days in July, and uh, I, I'm hoping to do a full U.S. in the winter, in like fall winter. I really want to start doing more work for my solo stuff. But it's it's going to be ten days down to basically Florida and back. I'll probably be announcing that um,
0: within two or three weeks. Okay. That's awesome. Well, I hope, um, eventually if it's not in the winter, um, sometime next year, you're able to make it out West with, um, either of your projects, either solo, um, cast in blood, murmur, zero hour. I think it'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. Ho- hopefully we got some, some stuff in the works, man. I, uh, I'd, I'd love to see that too. I, I think it, I think it would be really easy. the The offers are always there and there's so many, people out on the west coast it's just a matter of us uh picking it and locking it down and deciding to stick with it but yeah hopefully cast in blood and or zero hour will be out there on the west coast before uh before it gets cold next fall
0: could you do like a like a super tour to make it easy for yourself like do cast in blood murmur 100 demons and solo project all in one tour <laughs>
1: That, that that would be awesome i'd I'd have a busy night. I've definitely had nights where i have had to play one show and then drive frantically to get to another show to play a set that was booked for the same date. but um like it'd be cool to come out with Dilate or something because we share members with them and it's kind of in the same realm of music, so uh that might be a cool one to do it with but yeah, murmur, solo project, zero hour cast and blood. People would be sick of me after that tour there's five five acts of Ryan white up there
0: yeah and they're like why is this guy in every band
1: <laughs> yeah it's an obsession for sure yeah. I, I I appreciate it though I appreciate the uh people the the response to cast and blood is has been awesome like those lyrics they, they're they mean a lot to me and like I write in like a character when I write for that that uh, that project it's it's a weird kind of metaphorical thing for me, but they're also very personal. So it's cool that anybody has responded to and Blood the way it is without, you know, being on like a bigger label.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like good music and I feel, um, it's hard to deny something, you know, when it's that good.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Jamie.
0: Okay. Um, before we go, can you tell people where they can find all your projects?
1: Sure. Uh, everything's up on iTunes. Uh, the murmur record, the boundless black, um, at death, death Inc. I think it's called, or if you just go to the, the death Deathwish uh, web store, you can get the 12 inch, you can get the LP on vinyl there. It's on a few different colors. Well, wouldn't I say the boundless black? Wait, what? Uh, it's called, it's called the boundless black. Um, but yeah, that's available at Deathwish And, um, my solo stuff, if you just type it in Google, I think there's a smart link, but it's up on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, my solo record's called Dying in Deep River, and it's, it, both of them are obviously up on Bandcamp, too. So uh, Zero Hour right now is only up on the Bandcamp. Uh, I think the full length is going up on Spotify. Um, but we, we have our old full length up there right now. But basically all the platforms that they stream media on, you can find it if you go and search Murmur or... Uh, from my solo project that go by ryan patrick white just because there's so many ryan whites out there it's hard to distinguish there's actually another dude named ryan white who's uh pretty successful
0: well it's only a matter of time until you dethrone him
1: <laughs> he's not that bad So somebody sent me his stuff and was like this guy kind of sounds like you so yeah maybe we'll have like a, maybe we'll have to have a bout someday beef it out
0: yeah. Or
1: he, he's not bad. It's like, a, it's a different, it's a totally different world. I think it's like, just like kind of like a straight up pop music type thing, but
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, wait. he's going down.
0: You know what? Um, well, sorry. One thing I, I wanted to ask. So, um, for your solo stuff, you go by, um, Ryan Patrick White. Was there ever any thought of like having like a stage name?
1: I, yeah, I have considered for like uh for my next record or, <clears throat> Doing like an alias, because I like the idea of that. Uh, like a solo artist, you don't just have to go by your name. Um, so yeah, I, def- I definitely considered that. My friend, the kid, the other kid who played in my old band, call it Arson. He does a group called Haunted Continents, and that's pretty much his solo project. But I like the idea of uh, of an alias. It is it is a cool idea. So I, I really want to do a lot of collaborations in the future. Um, with singing there's so so many opportunities to do different like hip-hop type things and even just like simple pop singing stuff collaborating with friends, so I probably will pick an alias and I have used them in the past
0: Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate you answering that and i want to thank you again for um, being down to come on the podcast even though i totally mixed up the schedules it definitely uh, means a lot because i was honestly scared that you were going to be upset and not text me back
1: oh no man No, no worries i know i know how life gets so it's never but we stayed in communication and we got it done i appreciate it man i appreciate you getting the word out there about music and new bands it's uh it's really important. So I appreciate what you do.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Jamer K podcast. I always appreciate it. Um, you guys take time out of your day to sit here and listen to me. Um, and these awesome guests talk for so long, it means a lot and it's never going to get old. Um, love this feeling. So thank you guys for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Always on top.